Hey guys, welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. My name is Camille Joy and I'm your host for the show. I'm so excited that you guys are here to experience the joy. What do I mean by that? I mean, sometimes we go through really difficult times in life. I mean, sometimes people go through really detrimental things, something that can break you and push you over the edge. Some things can lead to death, but there's life. You can live again. You can experience joy again. So that is what we show you here on this show. And how? Through the words of testimonies. My name is Camille, as I shared before, and I share my life stories and my life's experiences. And I bring other people on the show who have been through it and have overcome it in order to encourage you. And so we're going to get right into the show this week. Can you imagine having a mom who had you when she was 12 years old? Well, that's the story of my next guest, Miss Keisha J. Here we go. I need the joy. And welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. I'm so excited for you to get to listen to the story of the powerful Miss Keisha J. Welcome to the show, Keisha. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. I had the pleasure to briefly hear you speak about your story. And you know what? It's so funny. Um, when, When you started to tell me the little bit that you did, my mouth was wide open. But then I came home telling my husband, and I had your book in my closet. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I pulled out the book. My husband had gave it to me years ago, and I just didn't even read it yet. But then I... Oh, because he did my my, um, book release. Yes. Yes, my first book signing. Yes. And he gave it to me. And so I had the pleasure. I pulled it out and I just smiled and um, started to crack it open. And so oh, that's um, awesome. Yes. You have a dynamic and a powerful story. And um, so I salute you for being an author because that's very difficult in itself to complete. Um, so I agree. <laughs> yes. So I want to just start from the beginning of um, your childhood. I always like to start there. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit uh, about your story and, and how you came into this earth? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, sure. Well, um, I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut, and um, I was a very shy, quiet child. Um, I believe that I had a very normal, quote-unquote, childhood um, until I didn't, if that makes sense. So very on, I knew that my mom was absent, um, but I had no idea why. I just knew she wasn't around. I was raised by my father's family, um, my grandparents, my my paternal grandparents, and my father's oldest sister, who was my primary caretaker. And to this day, I still call her mom. Mm -hmm. So from the story that I was told, 
My mom was really young. My mom had me when she was just 12 years old. Well, she became pregnant at 12. She turned 13, and then um, I was born. So she was very young. Um, She had a difficult childhood herself, but my grandparents were more stable, so I was giving to them. They didn't have custody of me. Um, My mom just knew she couldn't take care of me, so she's like, okay, you guys can take care of her. So I grew up with my grandparents and my aunt, and my dad was in and out of my life as well because he was in prison, and but he was more of a staple in my life than my mom was because my mom was never around. So to stretch the story, I started visiting my mom in prison when I was about seven or eight. Um, I remember a social worker taking the rides with me to go up there to Niantic. I remember how lonely and confused I felt because although my grandparents and my aunts never or my dad never spoke badly about my mom she was never a topic so it was just when she was around here she is and it was like I was supposed to just know this woman and Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case she was still a stranger to me so Mm -hmm. I would take the rides to Niantic to visit her and I just remember feeling so lonely and I would get get up there and get into the family visiting room and she would like be elated to see me but I've never had the same feeling which Mm. is kind of awkward you know for a child to not have like a maternal bond with their with their biological mother but I just didn't because she was absent for so long so she would like show me off like a toy and I'm like you know we should be bonding we should be getting to know each other and you just want to show me off so it made me so uncomfortable and because I was such a shy quiet little child I never said anything so I didn't tell my grandparents or my dad or my aunt how uncomfortable I felt I just went a lot I was I just did what I was told Mm -hmm. so fast forward to when I was about 12 years old um my mom came home from prison and she she wanted me back and because my grandparents didn't have the legal custody and my father was still in prison, they basically, we went to court and our, it's in the book, the, the whole, um, how it went down. And I just remember just being traumatized by that. I felt like, even though my mom didn't rip me from their arms, I always feel like that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I knew them to be my home and then um, I knew her to be my mom, but I just didn't have a connection with her, but I right. wanted to be with her, if that makes sense, because I feel like as children, we long for our mothers. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to be with her, but I didn't know how dysfunctional her life was because I was mm. never around her. So right. I told the judge, because he asked me, he separated the, me from the adults, and he asked me, he said, where do you want to go? And I said, well, I want to be with my mother. And mm-hmm. I feel like to this day, he didn't ask the right question. Mm-hmm. And because I was so young, I didn't understand the meaning of it all. So by mm-hmm. the time we um, let out of court, he told my grandparents that I was to be given um, custody. My, the, the custody was to return to my mom. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was so upset. And um, I just remember it just being ruckus. Like they were arguing and mm-hmm. it was just like chaos. And I felt, I felt, um, I felt I felt responsible for it, so mm-hmm. um, I end up going home with my grandparents and getting my stuff together. And uh, my mom was to pick me up that weekend, and she did. So I went with her, um, and not knowing her 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 living arrangements, she was living with her sister, who her sister had five children, 
And wow. I'm coming in and I was I was the only child and I was the first grandchild. So at my grandparents' home, I was like the spoiled little princess. You know, yeah. I have my room, I get whatever I want. Uh-huh. Like I'm just like living the life and then <laughs> I'm over here and I'm with these people now that I don't know, even though they're my family, and wow. I'm sharing a room. My oh my mom's goodness. never there, and I just felt—I just felt uh, like a stranger. So uh-huh. immediately, I want to go back home, but obviously, I can't. And right. then three months later, my mom goes goes back to jail. Oh my goodness! So, wow. Young, I'm 12. I'm young. I'm in my mind. I'm like okay, I get to go home. I get to go right. back to my grandparents. And my aunt is like, no, you have to stay here. And I'm like, what do you mean I have to stay here? She was like, you're my responsibility. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And mm. um, there was no explanation, of course, for my mom. There was no explanation in general because I feel like um, the adults in my life always try to shield me from the truth. So everything was just left unsaid. No one ever gave me any direction as to what was going on, what was happening around me. Um, so I started to, I didn't start to be rebellious like as soon as it happened, but I started to like kind of not care. So right. at um, this point though, did your grandparents know that your mom went back to jail? Yes, they did. And I oh. called my grandmother because she was, you know, my go-to. And I'm like, well, I'm ready to come back home. And she was like, you know, it doesn't work like that. Because now the courts had a water custody back to my mom. Mm. So even though my mom went back to prison, because I was in my aunt's care, now she had the custody of me. So they would have had to go back to court to right. um, regain custody of me. At the time, I didn't know all of this. But you right. know, so you know what how the court system works so mm-hmm. no one was telling me this though so my grandmother kind of was like it's out of our hands you know that's right. where you are that's where you have to stay and what mm-hmm. was so heartbreaking for me really was the fact that while I was in my aunt's custody I kind of lost um communication with my dad's family and oh, okay. that that was like the most heartbreaking so my aunt my my dad's sister who um who helped raise me mm-hmm. um she would she was the most consistent so she would try to come get me and you know spend time with me and like ch- take me on weekend visits but my 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 mom's sister was like not having it so mm. we became very distant so I lived with my aunt from um probably the age of 12 until I was about 16 or going on 17. Mm. so all of middle school and then up until my junior year year of high school and I got pregnant after I graduated eighth grade the summer I graduated eighth grade Mm. um so you were in the same age right yeah yeah well I was older because I I was I was going into high school so um I I I was left back in kindergarten from all the changes in my life so I was actually 13 uh-huh. So 14, 14, 14 going mm-hmm. into high school. So right. I was a little older than my mom, but still, you know, still, still the same peer group. Um, right, right. But um, that's when I started like really acting out. And um, I got pregnant and I went into ninth grade and I was, I was a pregnant teenager. Wow. And no one still talked to me about it. Like no one, there was no real conversation behind it. Mm. Um, and it was just that's like, okay, it. that's what, crazy. This, yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is what it is. And 
we have to do what you have to do. That was kind of an aunt's mentality. Okay, we just mm-hmm. have to do what we have to do, and you got to move on for it. Not not realizing that that was trauma within itself. Right. That I'm this young girl and I'm pregnant, and nobody's saying anything about it. No one's right. talking about, you know, how this baby gonna be raised or nothing. It's just like, okay, we got to, we got to do. Um, right. and I did, I did. I honestly just, and I guess. I always tell people, because I, I was asked one time by an adult, um, in my adulthood, I'm skipping ahead, but in my adulthood, mm-hmm. a woman asked me, she was married with a one child, and she she looked at me, and she, she knew I had a, my daughter young, because when people hear the ages, they always want to do the math. They're like, oh my God, right. you know, such and mm-hmm. such age, and I'm like, yeah. So she mm-hmm. was like, um, well, how how did you do that? Like, how did you, how were you able to raise a child when you're, when you were that young? And um, mm-hmm. she was like, I'm a grown married woman and it's very difficult. And it was, I, I realized at that time that it was the first time somebody really asked me that question. And I had mm-hmm. to think about it because wow. I had never been asked. It was kind of like, okay, you're pregnant. You're going to have this baby and you're going to do what you got to do. And that's what I did. So that was mm-hmm. my response to her. I said, it was something I had to do and I just did it. Like right. I didn't have like, you know, a playbook, obviously, uh-huh. I'm a young girl, but I did it, and um, I don't regret it. It, I, I feel like it did make me way mature, um, than I like faster than I needed to be. I didn't get to enjoy my childhood, um, right. and I had to work and I had to support her, and um, I, I, just, I just did what I had to do. Go ahead. Now, when you when you had the baby, mm-hmm. I I was a young mom too, but my mom was there. So she kind of, um, she taught me what to do. Like if the baby was crying, I would know, oh, he had gas. We had to switch the milk and, or like, um, you know, she taught me how to put him to sleep. She taught me to keep him on the schedule. Was there anybody to teach you what to do with the baby or did you kind of just have to figure it out? Absolutely not. I had to figure it out. And it's when I look back at it, it's mm-hmm. like the adults in my life kind of, so it was two sides. My father's family was disappointed. So they kind of was like, we don't want anything to do with you. And then oh, my wow. mom's sister was kind of like, you put yourself in this position. You're going to take care of this baby. This baby's your responsibility. Figure it out. So wow. it was, I literally had to figure it out. And I told my, my mom wasn't around. I literally told her over the phone while she was still in prison that I was pregnant. So there was really no support system from her end. And she was, you know, extremely younger than I was when she right. became pregnant. Um, I feel like with her, though, all everyone else around her took on the responsibility of me. So she mm-hmm. never had to. Mm-hmm. And, and because I was the oldest um, grandchild, because my parents were so young when they had me, that all the kids in my family came after me. So I was always responsible for the cousins, you know? Okay. So I kind of, I was the babysitter, you know, I was in charge when the other adults were not there. So okay. I kind of just picked up on how to be a caretaker. So when right. it came to my own child, it was like, all right, well, I know how to change a pamper because I've been changing pampers, you know, right. but it was, it was still different and difficult because I could not give this child back, you know, right, um, right, right. the most difficult part for me, honestly, was school. And it mm-hmm. wasn't because um, I didn't want to go. It was because I wanted to go. I wanted to finish school. I was always very studious. I was always on the honor roll. 
school was not hard for me. So when I became pregnant, because I became pregnant in my, you know, my freshman year, I went into high school pregnant. So I had to go all four years of high school with a child. So Mm. the hard part was me having someone babysit her for me to go to school. And, you know, not miss too many days to not be able to get through and and get my um, diploma. That Mm -hmm. was the hardest thing. Caring for her was not hard. I, mm-hmm. I kept a job um, right. and my father's sister, she helped me a lot. So she, she would babysit when my mom's sister wouldn't um, because she wanted me to, you know, to succeed. She wanted me yeah. to get out of high school at least, you know, mm-hmm. nobody was pushing college. I didn't hear that word. Right. <laughs> Everything was, you know, finish school and get a job. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is that is tough right there. I'm just sitting mm-hmm. here with with my mouth open. Wow, <laughs> so I can't even fathom that to be like really, really, you know, because when you get pregnant as a teenager, you're like, okay, you know, I got this, but then to be alone, that that's tre- tremendous weight yes, and responsibility. Yes, and I feel like that's why. Um... I take motherhood so seriously when it comes to my own children because my mom was never there. She was never present. She's missed every milestone in my life and in my kids' life because she was suffering, you know, with substance abuse. She was a drug addict and um, she did things that would lead her to go to jail. And I just never wanted my own kids to feel that type of abandonment because that's how I felt. I felt like she abandoned me. I felt like the streets were more important to her. I felt like the drugs were more important to her. And it was just like, okay, if I have somebody to take care of her, then I'll just let them take care of her, not realizing as a child how that made me feel. You know, as a child, it makes you feel like your mother doesn't want you. As Mm -hmm. a child, it makes you feel like nobody wants you when you're being bounced back and forth through these family members and I'm I always tell people when they know when they hear my story is that I'm very thankful that I have family members to take me in and you know because I know um, people um, and children go into the foster care system I'm very thankful that that was not my story but it's Mm -hmm. still the same feeling because I never had any stability in my life I literally was going to whoever would take me at the moment and then on top of that I have a child so I always have to keep in mind like okay even if they take me in do they still want to take on the responsibility of my child because when you're in someone else's home they're responsible for you and I was always underage you know I was always Mm -hmm. underage until I was on my own so it's like they still had to be responsible for me yeah so when did you go out and and decide to live on your own I left so um um see when I graduated high school I worked for I was a teacher's assistant I wanted to be a teacher so I was a teacher's assistant for the board of education and so I had this really decent job and I was back home with my grandmother at this time but it was like a transition um okay and I ended up getting section 8 housing and Mm -hmm. I told her I was like listen I think I'm ready to move out and I want to be on my own. I want to be independent because my grandmother Mm -hmm. was still pretty strict. My grandparents were really strict. And Mm -hmm. um, it was like kind of like if you live here, you got to abide by our rules type of thing. And I didn't mind that, but I felt like I'm an adult. You know, I have a a child, so Mm -hmm. I don't want to keep, you know, living under somebody's roof and living under their rules. So I got to Section 8 and then I got my own place when I was 20 and I've been on my own ever Mm -hmm. since. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so today it's like 
<laughs> oh my goodness. You're an author, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> so what's <laughs> the name of your book? The book is called I'm Not Her, mm-hmm. A New Legacy of Motherhood. Mm, that's awesome. And would you share your story? Yeah, I'm going to post a link um, to all of your social media outlets after we finish the show so that people will be able to find you and know okay. all about you and who you are. But um, yeah, back to your story. So today, how do what advice do you have for people that may you know, see themselves in your story and mm-hmm. they're really taunted by their past and haven't yet, you know, found that healing or um, made peace with that and been able to move on? Um, well, it took me a long time to make peace. I probably was over 30 years old <laughs> when mm-hmm. I found the actual peace to be able to forgive my mom. Mm-hmm. and um, forgive the other adults in my life who I felt um, had failed me in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me stronger. So I mm-hmm. don't regret not any, not a piece of it. I do not regret any of it because it made me stronger. I'm very independent. I'm very driven. Um, and it's all because I feel like I, I went through that mm-hmm. and I had no one else to lean on. So right. I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for everything that happens in my life that I want to happen. If, mm-hmm. if there's something that is happening in my life that I don't want to happen, it's because I lost the control somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I feel like, cause I have a nonprofit and um, it supports teen mothers in the community. And I tell, so I mentor to them and I tell them um, the same thing, you know, don't let, this situation in, in this moment of your life be the reason you don't do anything. It, don't mm-hmm. let it be the reason you don't continue on with your own personal goals. Whether it be mm-hmm. for, you know, going, continue going to school or, you know, going into a specific career. Um, I feel like being a young mom, people give up on us and mm-hmm. they expect us to fail. They expect us not to um, be successful right. um, and not to move forward in society in a positive way. So mm-hmm. I just try to tell the young girls, let this be a stepping stone for you. Let this be the reason that you do succeed. Always look to your child for that motivation to keep mm-hmm. going because it's so difficult. It's so difficult being a young mother. It's, be, it's difficult to be a mother in general, to be, but to be a young mom and having the stigma always on you, mm-hmm. um, people always expecting you to fail, it, it just does something to you. And what it did for me was it just gave me the motivation to keep going and to keep, you know, being better and doing better. But um, if there's something in your life that is holding you back and it's, it's, it's part of your healing, I just um, suggest talking to someone, talking to a mm-hmm. professional um, about whatever the, the the situation is, because you cannot heal if you do not release those yes. emotions. You mm-hmm. cannot move past it if you never let it out. And that was one of my biggest problems was that I internalized everything. So I was just angry. I was just mad at the world until I realized I'm not mad at the world. I'm mad at the adults in my life who didn't support me in the way that I needed to be supported. And especially my mom, because she was the absent, you know, figure in my life. So once I was able to like really, and me and my mom, were not super, super close. 
Um, but we have a better relationship and I have a better understanding of her substance abuse. So what she still battles with to this day. Um, but um, I have a better understanding of it. So now I'm able to talk to her and kind of like, you know, see her point of view and see where she's coming from so mm-hmm. that uh, we can still heal, you know, one another. Right. Because right. it doesn't, it, 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 the situation, like, you know, the past is the past. We have to move forward and we cannot move forward if we don't have these conversations. And that's one of the messages in my book is that we kind of have to have these conversations so that the cycle can stop, you know. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm very adamant about, you know, having open conversations and open communication in your home with your children because it's not it's not gonna help if you just push everything under the rug. Everything mm-hmm. there's things that have to, you know, be talked about. So that your yes. kids don't make those same mistakes. And, you know, I have a daughter who's of age to have a child and she's mm-hmm. not the same mother. You know, I have two mm-hmm. more girls coming up who I have to have these conversations with so that they do not lead um, on the same path as me to be in a team mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but without the communication, without me talking to, to them about safer sex practices, they mm-hmm. won't know. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So right. um, I just believe that that's, that's, that's important. Yeah, it absolutely is important. Are you um, an only child still? Um, I'm from my mom, yes. My, yeah. my father yeah. has Oh, okay. Younger children, yeah. Wow. But my mom, I'm still, my, I'm still her only child. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's interesting that she never mm-hmm. went on again to have children. No, um, no, no. Well, she spent, she spent a lot of time in prison. Yeah. So, um, I feel like that, that kind of stopped, <laughs> stopped yeah. the motherhood. <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah. And so, and you're a married woman today. <laughs> I am. I yes. Am. So then that's that's a whole, you know, another piece of Sean God's victory and his grace is because you ended up marrying a wonderful man. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I've known my husband since we were in middle school. Um, we grew up in the same area of town. Um, we have mutual friends, but we didn't start dating until junior year of high school and mm-hmm. I had already had my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um but when, when I got my first apartment, he moved in with me, and mm-hmm. we've been together ever since. Wow. And we've been married for 11 years. Yes. Wow. That's beautiful. Yes. I, I thank and, God for him. Mm-hmm. He, he, in my book, I, um, I named one chapter, and, it's, and it says, Love Saves Me, and mm-hmm. I absolutely believe that. And um, mm-hmm. it's because I, I didn't feel loved. And I'm not saying that my family didn't love me, but I didn't feel it. That emotion was not transferred to me um, until I had my daughter. And Mm. um, when when me and my husband became like an official couple, because, you know, dating Mm. in high school is a little different than dating in adulthood. Um, (laughs) When we became an official couple and we moved in together, I finally felt like I had a family, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I finally felt like I had something that I belong to and that um and I usually tell people he's been the most consistent person in my life since I was 16 years old Mm. so I I really 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 thank God for him because Mm -hmm. he did save me and the love that he gave me um yeah 
Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely. And so um, not only is Keisha J an author, um, a founder of a nonprofit organization, but she is the bomb hairstylist. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So that is, you are just so powerful and so many gifts. Thank you. Thank <laughs> You're you. welcome. I'm trying to use what God's given me and um, use it up while I'm still here. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that when I make it to the gates, he said, what do you have left? And I say, I yeah. use all of it. So Absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to pour into people what I feel like I didn't have mm-hmm. um, so that they know that there's something to look forward to, you know, past their trials and tribulations. That's very yes. important to me. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're getting ready to close up the show. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we close? Um, I just like to add um that whoever you know who's whoever's out there listening, especially to the teen moms and young mothers who going through this tough time, just know that it's not going to last. And don't you give up? Don't you give up on yourself? Don't you give up on your child? And don't give up on your future. And there's always someone out there who's willing to help you through whatever you're going through. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. And um, You're welcome. Yes, I am 100% sure that it's going to bless somebody listening. So thank you for being on the show today. I appreciate you having me. You're welcome. All righty. Bye-bye. Wow, what an amazing testimony. Thank you so much again, Keisha. And guys, if you have enjoyed this show, leave me a review on the Apple Podcast Forum. You can leave as many reviews as you'd like. Um, You can review every show if you would like. But if you enjoy this show, please review. And what that does is to help other people find our show. Um, I am also an author. If you follow us on Instagram, you will see that I'm a part of a series of books that have been released and I'm an author in volume three of There is a Jewel in You. And so I want you guys to check that out as well. Purchase $14.97. And if you're not interested, purchase it for someone else. I'm oftentimes going out to speak and I donate these books to young girls. And um, that is what I am doing today as we speak. I'm going to my old elementary school and donating books to some eighth graders and talking to them about um, life in hopes that they will not become teen moms. Well, that's it for this week's episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, If you're new to the show this week, go back and check out some of our other awesome guest stories, okay? All right, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Ready to receive your joy.